Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Huberstank. <laughs> Oh baby, it's, oh yeah, it's what I like. Come on, baby, that's a what I like. Yeah, how you doing, Luke? Yeah, good. Who sung that one? I don't know. Nor do I. Was it Chubby Checker? Might be actually. <laughs> was do, you it? Me- do you remember? Um, welcome to the Luke and Pete show, everyone. We're just gonna get straight into it. Do you remember late eighties slash early nineties where there was this Robbie Coltrane Tutti Frutti? No, there was this re-release of all these types of songs in a in, like, in almost like a super mix. Version, Jive Bunny version. Jive Bunny, yeah. Um, oh, 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 I love that video Reap Petit. so much. Reap Petit. The stop motion animation. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh. That was Jackie Wilson, wasn't it? Yes, yeah. it was. Legend. Wonderful. What a voice. Well, well, a fantastic voice. But there was a weird situation where, I can't remember the year exactly, late 80s, like I say, early 90s. Come on, everybody! Yeah, well, they were <laughs> remixing all these classic songs and putting them into one dance track, guys. I can't help but think that some copyright expired and they just thought, fuck it. Just do it. Because you're not making any... If you're spending all that money on samples, you're not making any money. I'll tell you who's big into copyright extension. Paul McCartney, isn't he? Is he, yeah. Uh, Sir Paul yeah, McCartney. All of those are, to be honest. Well, it's, it's a fair point, though. Because, I mean, you're staring down the... I mean, Paul McCartney's made nowhere near enough money. <laughs> no, but no, it is a fair point given he he has written all these songs and mm. they're going to go out into the ether for everyone to have for nothing. I, mean, I think that, I think uh, that's fine, but I think songs released in like the 1930s, there needs to be a limit. There just needs to be a limit. What's your cut off? Uh, 100 years. 100 years. But that's what years. McCartney's asking for, isn't it? At the moment, it's 50, I think. Right. And it might have been extended slightly, but it's nowhere near 100. Mm. I mean, how old is Paul McCartney? <laughs> Who knows? Well, he's replaced. How old he? Is- he could go on to live to another 50, I'd say. Excuse me, Mr. McCartney. Sir Paul, how mm. old are you planning to live for? Yeah. To- I wonder how much money he's given in alimony yeah. to, uh, to not Stella McCartney. That would, uh, Linda McCartney was his wife. She passed away sadly. So yeah. um, we're talking Money's about no, no use to her. We're talking about the the woman he who he married. I can't remember her name now. Ah, oh, what was her name? What was her name? Should she I notably had one leg. I'm just um, going to type in Paul McCartney's wife. Paul McCartney's wife. She was called Heather Mills. Heather Mills. Heather Mills. Heather McCart- you got it. Heather, you had Heather it. Mills McCartney. He's married uh, Nancy Chevel and he's been married to her since 2011 now. So ah, he's, he's very happy. Good for him, Paul. Well done, Paul. He's always uh, remember when he did that um, oh, that really embarrassing thing where he said, "Come on," and he started doing like a Jamaican kind of accent. No, <laughs> it was wonderful. Ringo Starr does a good line in um, every time you see Ringo Starr on the internet or on peace the TV. And love. Peace says, and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. Peace and love. That's all he ever says. What are you doing looking up Paul McCartney thing? Yeah, now? it was a Jamaican. He did a Jamaican accent. It was like a, it was like a meat free Mondays, and it was an urgent call to action from him. And he just. <laughs> Paul speaking. Listen, I need your help. He's in this garden. Now, all I want you to do is just <laughs> log in on pledge.meatfreemondays.com and pledge your support to the idea of meat free Mondays. All you need to do. 
I need your help. Please do it. We'll send all these pledges to the politicians, and then they'll do something about it. So I need your help. Please just log in, pledge.meetfreemondays, or one word, dot com. Pledge.meetfreemondays.com. All right, Paul. All right, Paul. That's enough. Pledge.meetfreemondays.com. Pledge you can do it right now, please. <laughs> What the hell you is that? You can do it right now, please. I was about to say to you, what's happened to his voice anyway? You can do it right now, please. That's unbelievable. That yeah. passed me by. How long ago was that? Uh, that 1964. Yes, years, years ago. <laughs> what's Meet happened to your voice? Um, what happens to people's voices, particularly in the in the in the um, area of entertainment, when right. they become really successful? Because it happened to Arctic Monkeys, Alex Turner as well. He's still got a bit of a. Uh, he's got a, still got a Sheffield twang. He must have. Been, he must have been taking the piss. But when he talks like this, but when, right. he, but when he um, headlined Glastonbury, mm. well, they headlined Glastonbury. They played a song or whatever, and, the, and when he addressed the crowd for the first time, it was almost like he went, "How you feeling, Glastonbury?" Mm. Like a Joss Stone type yeah, vibe. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember Joss Stone? She was a bad she was, one. She was a bad one. Although, if you look back at it, it's not that bad. What Joss Stone? It's not as bad as you remember, to be honest. But like, he, yeah, yeah, he does have a bit of a shot of light, like, you know. I all right. Like, he wants to be like John Cooper Clark, I think. He, um, um, they were very good on uh, Nozzle Life Festival. Well, God, here we go again. <laughs> we start. We, we can't get away from it. We can't. We, we started off last show talking about Elvis. Now we're talking about Sir Paul McCartney. Obrigado. <laughs> so get saying obrigado. Um, obrigado versus obrigada. Uh, if you're a female, you say obrigada. If you're male, you say obrigado. What happens now when gender fluidity comes into play? Well, here we go. Is that going to kill that? I don't know. Find out in Pete's Daily Mail column on Monday. <laughs> is that going to is that going to kill is that going to kill uh, gendered words? But is it to presumably ad- it will? Is it to address people? No, it's it? not. No, it's 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 if you are male, I believe. I you, you, just, say, well, you, oh, just, you just choose then, don't you? Just choose. Yeah, but what if you, you but you don't believe in either? Take your pick. Obrigados. Uh, yeah, obrigado. They'll have to they'll have to make a a non gender specific. I just think it's going to tidy up language and anything that it improves my ability to learn a language. I'm fucking all for. So there you go. How's your um, Korean and Japanese coming on? I've learned a few Korean words for my holiday. Give us some. The usual, uh, the usual uh, classic. Where's the toilet? How similar is it to Japanese? Uh, it's very different. It's more Chinese, I think. But it's um... are they rooted in the same? Sort I don't. Of yeah. Well, Korean have a different... Hangul was only invented, I think, the writing um, system in 1960-odd, I think. Oh, really? To, to kind of tidy it all up. Um, most modern kind of uh, Japanese languages and stuff, uh, Japanese alphabets and stuff are the same. They were, they were invented to just tidy shit up, really, because uh, you couldn't rely on the Chinese the sim- characters. simplified form. Mm. Of, yeah. Going back to Paul McCartney, do you think when you get into a situation... Do you think he, speaks, do you think he can read Hangul? Possible. Mm. You can, but, but when, when um, you get into the level of that sort of fame and your life is so much different to anyone else do you reckon you sort of lose your anchor a little bit you don't really know what's what and, and oh what, hugely yeah yeah because you, you're, you're you're living such a different life to essentially 99.9 percent of the rest of the world it's very yeah. different i sometimes wonder whether people who essentially do ill-advised things like mccartney's done in that video you've shown there or say stupid stuff i wonder whether we're actually a bit too harsh on them because it, mm. they have no nothing to base it on really mm. i mean since 1962 or whatever paul mccartney's life has been mad Completely yeah, mad. Oh, hugely so, yeah. And it's, it's the same with and the reason, same with footballers, same with like anyone in the public. Well, eye. you say that about footballers. Do you remember that documentary where David Beckham went into the jungle in South America with mm. some of his pals? And he, he, and he basically said, like, he, he found it very hard to he make can, friends. He can't make any friends because mm. he, he doesn't know what their agenda is. Yeah. So he can't meet anyone new, really, unless they're someone who has been vouched for by someone else or, or they're also famous. 
Yeah, yeah. basically, yeah. Because, because he, the, the people he was hanging out with in that documentary, a couple of them were dickheads. But you thought, <laughs> well, he's got no choice. Yeah. At least he knows they're genuine friends, right? Yeah. And that means a lot to someone like him. So Easy. McCartney would be the same. Yeah. I mean, I, again, I think men like that are a bit of an island. I think people like that are a bit of an island. It's very difficult. No to... man is an island, Pete. No man is an island. You'll be like that. So you're probably like that now. Look at you there with sunglasses on in the studio because you forgot your prescriptions again. I didn't forget them. I thought, you know what? Last last uh, ramble of the season. Fuck it. Living it up. <laughs> Everybody living it up. And it is very hot in here. So uh, it is. yeah. Sweaty boys. Um, should we do uh, some emails? Of course. Fuck for the, no. For the, well, listen, we are going to do some emails, Pete, because that's the way the way that's of the, the way world. It works. Um, for those of you who are not regular listeners to the show, shame on you. But there's time to fix that. We do mm. normally now have a little breaky, have a little break, and then we talk about emails afterwards. So, Pete, take it away. Brilliant. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Farmer Mima, and today I'm going to show you what I've been doing to take care of the pantry moth situation. Pantry moths, big problem. They are. And you know what? I went to uh, pick up uh, my, my lovely wife, had a few dresses altered at the dry cleaners. Oh, no. They also do tailoring. And uh, when I went in there to pick them up, um, there was a big sign there saying, um, advertising a new product, saying um, this product's called WMD. And it was a weapon of moth destruction. I believe I bought a packet of that. Um, Did I you? I bought a, a smock bomb version of it. I've not set it off yet. Your flat's too small for that. <laughs> you could have did the whole house by accident. <laughs> I don't mind. I need the whole house. The moths are everywhere. You've got problems, have you? Driving mad. Absolutely mad. We've spoken about this before, but they are little bastards. We have a lot of flies in our house. Yeah. No flies on me, mate. Just moths. <laughs> no, yeah. Um, first, email, the first email, Pete, is from a, a, a very dear listener to us, uh, oh. George. George. And he says, uh, good evening, guys. I'd love an update on Pete's dog allergy, dander under the tongue situation. Oh. Best George. Do you want to fill people in on the background of that and let us know what's I happening with I would like it? a dog. So I've uh, taken to uh, get involved in a little bit of uh, immunology, they call it. Um, so I've been spraying uh, dog dander and um, also dust mite essence under my uh, tongue every morning and night for a little while. Um, it's a uh, reassuringly expensive treatment. Because uh, you're allergic bought, to dogs currently. Yes, allergic to dogs and dust mites, but the dogs carry dust mites. So um, I've not been great at keeping up with putting them every morning and night, but I've been, I've been busy. Uh, but I did buy a little mini fridge uh, to keep the um, to keep the medicine in that I can put in my bedroom so that I am, so I remember to do it. So I've got to take my asthma medication in the morning. Right. And also take this. And how long have you been doing it for? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. And how long do you have to do it for? Uh, about 18 months, apparently. And it works? Apparently, it's your best bet. It's your best shout. And do you, how much does it cost? Uh, I don't need to get into that. Come on! It's, it's more expensive than a armpit lasering. Was it more expensive than less the armpit expen- lasers? Less expensive than the top of the range MacBook. Okay. So okay. We're talking big, big figures. Big bucks, yeah. yeah. Big bucks. But well, it's rare, isn't it? It's, it's, you know. But as we all know, uh, listeners... Going private. Listeners to this show will know Pete is a man of considerable means. So no, it's okay. Not, not anymore. Um, I hope that answers your question, George. I think when we get the payoff, finally, when Pete does, in fact, Come, get himself a dog. a dog. Yeah, when he becomes like, like Jeff Goldblum in The Fly, <laughs> but a more PG-rated version. Mm. So you won't have to fast, your parents won't have to fast forward any of the, uh, any of the action. Um, we'll, we'll get the payoff, won't we? Yeah. 
Perhaps you can bring the dog in. That'd be, that'd be I'd nice. love a dog in here. I'd love an office dog. That'd, that'd be, be great, lovely. wouldn't it? That'd be, be great. Fantastic. There's, there's a, um, a friend of mine worked for a production company out in the West Country, and they had an office dog, and I think you should just take turns taking it for walks and stuff. Beautiful. Lovely stuff. What a, what a way to clear your head. Fantastic. Yeah, lovely. Lovely. Um, I've got an email here, Pete, about... Well, listen, I've got, you've, got, you've got two choices. Mm. I've got door-to-door selling spider monkeys, which I know is something you're interested nice. in. Nice. And I've also got um, the worst job interview of all time. Um, have we spoke about door-to-door selling uh, spider monkeys? Because I believe the... Who's the fellow who went to British Guyana? And, um, Jim Jones. Jim Jones. I, I think, think Jim Jones used to sell he did. monkeys door-to-door. I, I think you said that in a few episodes ago. Yeah. No, no, I didn't actually. I think, you said, I think you said a few episodes ago that in the 80s you could just go into a pet shop and buy a monkey. Oh, yeah, you could definitely do that. A lot of like sailors used to have them in the northeast. If you, um, there was a lot of monkeys in people's houses in like Sunderland and stuff. That's mad, isn't it? Mad to think isn't it? of now. It's fantastic. That, you'd probably now. get quite a heavy um, punishment for doing that these days, no? Yeah, you can get a license though. You could have a little run out out the back. But the reason I included the job interview one is because I think that's something that everyone can relate to, and I certainly can, mm. and I'll tell you why okay. later. So people can get involved at hello at lukeandpeacher.com if they've had a terrible um, job interview experience. But if you want to do an email first, Pete, you're welcome to do so. No, 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 do yours, do yours. What, job interview? Yeah. Okay, fine. We'll do Spider Monkey in a minute. Okay. So this is from Craig, um, who says, Hi guys, I thought I would drop you an email about a job interview I had that went a bit wrong. It was to be a, become a trainee civil engineer. Um, it's a long story, so I will bullet point the main aspects. I quite like the format of this. Took the afternoon off to attend the interview. That's bullet point one. <laughs> Already annoyed about it. Yeah, bullet point two. Called at shop and decided to buy a new pair of shoes. Right. For the interview. Diligent. Mm, yeah. A gamble because of blisters. Mm. Um, point number three. Popped new shoes on and threw old shoes in the bin. Right. Point number four. I was early, so I decided to walk to the venue, which was a few miles away. Point five. Shoes were hurting me, so I decided to get a taxi. Point six. Asked the taxi to drop me off at the Belmont Industrial Estate. (laughs) Seven. Got out and realised I should have been at Belmont Business Park. Oh, no. Eight. Had to walk a mile with no shoes on to get to the right place. (laughs) (laughs) Nine. Found building. Told the woman outside I was here for a job interview. Ten. She took me inside, complaining the boss had called in sick and had not told her I was coming. Eleven. Sat around for ages while her and her colleagues quickly threw together some interview questions. Jesus Christ. Twelve. Though it was strange when they were asking me more about photocopying than making tea than, than my design capabilities, but 25 minutes into the interview, I realised I was at the wrong company. Oh, no. And I was supposed to be on the first floor. <laughs> Point 12 or whatever it is. They took me up and explained this to the other employer, what had happened, while like, telling me there was a job, in, a job waiting for me here if I don't get that one. <laughs> making tea, presumably. Oh, fantastic. Uh, number 13, had a real interview. Number 14, had no money left, so walked back to Durham with no shoes on. <laughs> Number 15, got offered the job. Number 16, turned it down as the pay rise was not very good. And number 17, it was a massive waste of time. Thanks for reading, Craig. Um, have you, you, have you, the last time you had a job interview must be a long time ago. Uh, yeah, it was. I, I don't think I'd ever failed one, though, to be honest. I'm pretty interviewable. I think I am as well. But it's something that unites us all, isn't it? This idea. Oh, hugely. Of, yeah, I, know, I, I didn't ever particularly get too nervous. But I remember once I was at university in, in Surrey. And obviously lived in the South Coast. And this was a bit about 2002-ish. And um, I... you remember back in the day, Pete? Like, around the sort of advent of the internet, people were like, you'd, you'd chuck your CV up on Monster or, mm. or whatever it is. Whatever yeah. those sort of really fledgling yeah. sites were, right? And I did that. And I never got anything back. And I remember wanting to work in either in TV or film or radio, all that kind of stuff. But I had no experience at all. Mm. I just done a qualification. Chuck my CV in. 
and I never got any any joy. But then once I got an email back, like no word of a lie, from I think the BFI mm. right, or something like that, mm. saying, um, oh, Luke, we liked your CV or whatever. We like your enthusiastic covering letter. Would you like to come up for an interview? And um, I had no, obviously no links in London or anything. So I thought, yeah, okay, fine. So the interview was, and I didn't want to tell them that I didn't have an accommodation in London. Mm. So they said, oh, can you come up at nine o'clock? Yeah. Oh, no, I think it was 10 o'clock. And that would involve me getting like a two-hour train from Portsmouth. And oh, eventually I would have found accommodation, I suppose. Mm. But anyway, I didn't have any. So I got, I got this ferry across to Portsmouth Harbour at like 6.30 in the morning. Uh, got a train up. They were based on um, Great Marlborough Street, right? Mm. But she had told me that on the phone. And I thought she said Great Margaret Street. Right. Which Margaret Street is a different road, right? Mm. Um, and there was no internet on my phone or anything. Yeah. I didn't have a smartphone. I, I just had this map, this mm. one map. So I thought, right, I'll, I'll of have the Market Street area. Well, just of that particular part of central right. London, Bloomsbury or whatever. I, I thought on the train, I'll check on the map and I'll have loads of time to kill. So I'll just work out what mm. I'm going to do, my route and stuff. I don't know anything about London. Got to, um, got to London. Couldn't, and on the map, I, I, I couldn't find it or anything. I, I, so I was walking up and down um, Great Marlborough Street, but trying to find it. <laughs> and it was like, I couldn't find it anywhere. And I, I ended up, but I, was, I got to the point where it was, I got, to cut a long story short, I was so late that it would probably would have been better just not to turn up. Yeah. Because it was like, it was start of the summer, I was sweating. I was just out of uni, so start of the summer, I was sweating. I'd been into several pubs asking people to help me find Great Margaret Street, which doesn't exist. And these people, like, obviously, they're, these are the type of people that are in the pub during the day. Like, <laughs> by this point, it was about 11.30 in the morning. Oh, and you're just starting to be really kind of like uh, panicky and sad. But and I turned I t- it. I turned up and not, looking back on it now, nothing had become, nothing could be clearer that there was no way that I couldn't even, if I couldn't even find my way to an, an office, I wasn't getting the job. <laughs> but to be fair, they diligently went through the interview with me. Uh, and then I think they probably just put the, the letter out straight away. <laughs> the letter probably got in before I did. And they just like, I did not get the job. Oh, that's sad. I don't like that feeling. Mm. That sinking feeling where you're like, oh, fuck. Most people must have a, a story better than that. Hello oh. at What's your worst interview story, Pete? Um, you really I try, well, I tried to get on the uh, JET program, which is the Japanese English teaching program. Uh, when I was 22, uh, I muffed up the interview. I was so shy and insular. What did you do? Uh, that would be just, going down well, wouldn't it, in Japan? <laughs> <laughs> well, I couldn't speak in front of people. I was just absolutely petrified of speaking in front of people. And uh, yeah, it was pretty miserable, all told. I, I, I'd sort of hadn't slept because I was so nervous. The night before, I went out to London uh, from Leicester and got there, you know, in good time. And just, I just stacked it. Absolutely stacked it. I thought you said you were fairly interviewable. Uh, yeah, but that was very much outside my wheelhouse. Yeah, fair and enough. also, you know, it, 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 I was just with a lot of precocious children, basically, precocious youngsters going, hi, it's me. I'm going to teach your kids shit. Meh, meh, meh. And you're like, oh, fuck off. And what are you like? I'm Pete. I was like, hi, I'm not Pete. I like hot I'm pools. So nervous. I'm so nervous. And uh, eating frozen sausages throughout the little nervous boy. <laughs> Sorry, are frozen sausages available in Japan? <laughs> Bless you, Pete. But uh, it, there is a big difference between getting a... Um, interviewing for a Saturday job or doing something like that and actually working full-time at a job you care about. Oh, huge. And yeah. that's when the nerves start to, to hit you hard, huh? Definitely, definitely. All right, what you got next? Um, I've got an email about uh, what's for uh, Ewan. It's quite a long one, but uh, you could probably loosely deem this a mancata. Do you want the stab? Bang it out. Bang it out. There is it. Let there be justice for all. Let there be peace. You don't understand. Willie was a salesman. Say simply, very simply, with hope 
Good morning. And a good morning to you. Did you? Did we ever talk about the Neil Armstrong line when he got on the moon for the first time and how he got it wrong? Uh, no. What he said. Maybe it, so there's two things I learned about it. One was that he was, they hadn't had any real planning for who was going to be the first person to walk on the moon until mm. like the day of it or something when they realised that Neil Armstrong would be nearest to the door. So he would <laughs> right. be first. That was like the extent of the planning. And I think he was supposed to say it's one small step for a man. Oh, right. And one giant leap for mankind. But it, I think he stumbled mm. and it became even more iconic. Uh, but yeah. it was a complete accident. Wonderful. I like that. Yeah. Uh, it was like that Yuri um, Gagarin uh, one we used on the Ramble World Cup coverage, Poyekele. Yeah. Uh, and it was... Um, well, they expected him to say something really profound. Really yeah. We just went, let's go. Let's go. I love that. <laughs> Let's just get down to business, <laughs> man. Fucking do it. Um, we do get a lot of criticism on iTunes and our reviews for, for being like older people who can't remember the things they've said and they haven't. So we've probably mentioned both those things loads Probably. Of who cares, though, Pete? Who cares? We're the lords of our own destiny. Get with it, guys. Hello to Ewan on the emails. Um, I mean, I say this is a Min Carter entry. It's very much... Somebody has a mausoleum. Um, and I've mentioned before, I went to Chairman Maus- uh, Mausoleum. Missed opportunity. Could have called it a mausoleum. Unbelievable. They should um, have done. One, just, one letter. I know. One letter change. Ridiculous. Um, I just thought I'd uh, drop you a line about the Lenin mausoleum in Red Square. I got to visit it uh, while out in Russia for the World Cup. Obviously a big tourist attraction. Oh, this is from Ewan Flynn. Good friend. Mm, he's, yeah. a, he's a good lad, Ewan. Lovely. Yeah. Uh, you might remember it uh, featuring in the Simpsons episode where Lenin comes back to uh, life after the revelation that the Soviet Union has been playing rope dope with the West and is back to crush capitalism. Uh, at the same time, Homer has been sacked by Mr. Burns and joins the Naval Reserve. It's a great episode. <laughs> I don't remember that one, but it sounds good. Uh, anyway, I thought of the story of how Lenin has been kept looking so box fresh nearly 100 years on from his death in 1924, might be of some interest. Initially, a four-day funeral had been planned and he's temporarily embalmed, enabling mourners to pay their respects. Uh, however, after nearly two months and no sign of the crowd subsiding, it was decided that rather bury Lenin in accordance with his wishes. Instead, the body should be preserved uh, permanently. I remember, I don't, obviously don't remember it at the time, but I remember learning about it at school. Yeah, same. Uh, rather than freezing the body, a pioneering embalming technique using a cocktail of chemicals was devised. Before this could be done, however, the black spots that uh, had started to appear on his skin had to be addressed. So uh, science spent several months bleaching the corpse before embalming the great man. All Lenin's organs were removed and his brain was packed off to the Russian Academy for neurologists to uh, fathom his extraordinary abilities. Um, The uh, mausoleum is now open uh, five days a week and visitors go through the airport star security before entry. Inside, they are constantly watched by stern guards who prevent any photography, talking or worse still, hands in pockets. Um, as well as special lighting and temperature controls inside the tomb, there is a lab under the mausoleum where a group of scientists take the Bolshevik leader every 18 months for a freshen up, even replacing the odd bits of skin with plastic. His eyelashes, too, have been replaced with synthetics, apparently. Uh, an estimated uh, annual cost of all of this is around £160,000. Huh. Uh, these experts known as the Lenin Lab have also applied their techniques to other historical uh, giants Stalin was displayed next to Lenin initially upon his death until Khrushchev with very good reason embarked on a period of de-Stalinization the Kim boys from North Korea and the Vietnamese uh, leader Ho Chi Minh have received a full Lenin Lab treatment presumably the FA have also made inquiries for Gareth Southgate <laughs> England win the World Cup this is obviously before uh, uh, we yeah. went out so uh, yeah keep the great work thank you Ewan for that wonderful uh, email about Lenin's face. Do it on um, do it on Southgate anyway. Um, the only <laughs> thing I remember learning about Lenin... Putin looks like he's already had it. He has done, yeah. yeah. He, he, I wouldn't be surprised. Um, the only thing I remember learning about Lenin in that context, Pete, at school, was that, I don't know if it's true, based on what Ewan said there, maybe not, but there were three different bodies, and only one of them was the real Lenin to stop mm. for security reasons. So you never actually knew whether you saw the real one or not, but I don't know I'm if that's true. Saddam Hussein, remember Saddam Hussein's uh, lookalikes? 
Oh, you got to get they listen, were freed. If you're a dictator, you're gonna have to get yourself some lookalikes. I yeah. mean, it's, it's part of it, isn't it's it? Part, part of it's, the cost. It's mate. along with like naming the days of the week after yourself. Risk, and that risky, kind of stuff. risky skill, though. Risky business. Risky business. Um, before I move on to this spider monkey email, much promised, and mm. thank you very much for that, Ewan. Um, did you read the story in the in the news maybe last week about this um, this village in Wales that's got twenty different spellings of it, and so they don't really they can't settle on a way to put all. A, a way of spelling it to put on all the signs. Right, okay. It's this, it's this village called Trellick in Wales. Right. And it's got 20, upwards of 20 historical spellings, uh, and four of them are currently still in regular use. So it's like, I won't spell them all out, but it's obviously like double C-H, L, one C-K, L. Yeah, yeah, yeah and that sort of stuff. And they can't work out um, what they want to do, and they're going to have to put it to like, the local council or whatever. And, and, and the one thing that's quite funny is that this this story I read, that, you know when, when journalists put together stories and it's like a quirky type of thing and they have to find someone for a quote? I mean, it's not really a story about a quote, right? It's mm. just like a PR release, I suppose. They found this guy called Professor Howell Wynn Owen, um, who works for uh, Bangor University, former director of the Place Name Research Centre. <laughs> what a job that is! <laughs> I mean, what a job! So who knows what they're going to do? Um, but apparently the Met Office uses the unofficial Trelec with the CK, as does Royal Mail. Ah. But uh, maybe I think some of them want to go back to the Welsh the Welsh plan. But anyway, um, Spider Monkeys, Peter. Uh, this is from Paddy. Why just, why, sorry, why didn't they just have a vote on the uh, place names? And then, you know, if three tie for the for the win, just got to call it Trelec, Trelec, Trelec. Trelec, Trelec cubed. Trelec cubed, yeah. Um, this one's from Paddy in Dublin. He says, hi, Luke and Pete. Uh, in episode 80, Pete said, back in the 70s, oh, it was the 70s, apparently, people would just go to a pet shop and buy a monkey. Yeah. Well, this reminded me of a story I heard about Jim Jones of Jonestown Massacre ah, fame. Ah, there you go. During the 70s, and just when he was starting to gain his cult following, he needed some money to fund his endeavours. So he did what every normal man would do in that situation and decided to go door-to-door selling spider monkeys. There is even a clip in the documentary about the Jonestown Massacre of a woman retelling the story of how her mother, who was one of the first followers, met Jim Jones. This was because her monkey had hung itself and she wanted a new one, so she bought it from him. What a depressing story. That is depressing. I want another monkey. You got yourself a monkey as a pet. Depressing. It hung itself. Even more depressing. You bought the replacement from a man who's famous for massacring a load of people. I hope that the monkey hung itself with its prehensile tail. Probably did. Mm. Paddy says, I know Jim wasn't the nicest of fellows, but if you can make a monkey want to hang itself, I'm not so sure, so sure she should have a second one. But then again, I don't think that was the worst thing that Jim Jones ever did. No, no. it wasn't. Um, he said, uh, also... Mother, when... mother, please. That's what he says at the end when uh, everyone's dying and you yeah. hear all the kids, kids crying. He's like, he goes, mother, mother, when he's got... His, I think his wife is a dissenting voice in the let's kill everyone uh, final solution. Yeah. He, uh, he's like, mother, mother, please. No, mother, mother. Wow. He's mad. I've seen the documentary, but I don't remember too much about it. Um, but how would you go door to door? Famously, would fuck everything. Yeah, well, oh yeah, was, that's obviously part of it, isn't it? I reckon he fucked a monkey. Pete. Oh, I reckon he did. I'm okay, just saying, but you're whispering it, it means just people saying. are still going to hear it. There's no one else in the room. Apart I from... hate to besmirch the good name yeah. of Jim Jones. <laughs> yeah. But you might have sex with a monkey. You're never alone when there's a microphone probably, in front of you. Probably give him a, give him a brain worm. Can I, I've got more of a sort of logistical question. Right. Does he have a load that's of spider monkeys with him? Because I, I had a job door to door selling once and you had to carry all the stock with you. Oh, so like the uh, cat lady at the Simpsons just throwing cats, just throwing monkeys, posting monkeys through letterboxes going, here's the head, collect the rest of the bits. And back in those days, they used to, people used to go door to door to collect the money, right? Mm. So Danny Baker does, has a brilliant story in, his, um, in his, uh, one of his memoirs about his dad 
who used to buy everything on H- HP, like higher yeah. purchase, and then he would just come up with the most unbelievable reasons to not be in when the guy came around to collect the money. <laughs> so imagine people rocking up for monkey payments. Yeah, It'd be crazy. Incredible. Also, work. what do you feed them? Just what? You, just fruit, I suppose. What monkeys? They yeah. eat anything. But you, I mean, you shouldn't be giving them anything, though. My cats eat anything. If, you're, you se- if you're selling monkeys, I don't think you're really that asked about their welfare. It, you're it, selling them to literally anyone. Yeah, true. I just want to know if it's regulated. There used to be, uh, used to be uh, dolphins in a. I've probably spoken about this before. In Oxford Street, there used to be a bar slash sexy nightclub that had dolphins in a big uh, tank. Isn't it so funny how life's moved on from all that usually, stuff? Usually, because Harrods used to be well known for that oh, whole. Buy anything there, yeah, yeah. That, that was their thing, wasn't it? Mm. You could buy anything there, and yeah. there would be like tigers on the roof and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. But isn't it so funny how we've moved on from that to the extent where when you see if you catch an episode on Comedy Central or whatever of Friends. And he's got his monkey. Yeah. It just looks weird. It's like, you shouldn't be doing that. <laughs> I, that. I think even then it was a bit like, what the fuck? Reckon. Why did he have a monkey? Was it ever explained? he was quirky and wacky and great. Bought off Jim Jones, that's what I had. Yeah, yeah, because he bought off Jim Jones. That was a really old um, monkey. Paddy finishes the email, Pete. I'm not sure there's any interest in this from your point. Okay. Um, he says, also, in one of the first episodes of this podcast, you were talking about funny place names. Funny just, place names. We just talked about one there, Trelloc. Uh, Banger. And, and I had to bring up one you never discussed, which is a place in Donegal in Ireland. Um, called Muff. Muff. Now, this is funny in its own right, but to make it even better, Muff is a town on the coast of the Atlantic Ocean. So there is a scuba diving club called the Muff Diving Club. Oh, come on. I checked it out, and and they have done a pretty... I mean, it's quite distasteful, but they've done a pretty good um, effort in in cashing in on that. There's so much merchandise you can buy. The website's actually quite swept up. Muff merch. Yeah, Muff Diving diving Worldwide. Muff Diving Worldwide. Fantastic. There you go, Paddy. Um... Obviously, Donegal, County Donegal, the, the home of Brian Frill's translations. An what's, excellent what's that? story. What's that? Just a Brian Frill, the, uh, the playwright, uh, wrote a play about um, Donegal and the idea of place. Are you okay? Yep. I've never heard of it. Yeah. Do you need, a, do you need a hard it's on, reset? It's on, in, uh, it's on in London, I think, at the moment. I wouldn't fancy doing it, but then theatre in it. I'm never going to go to that I'm off my own bat. I'm a little, I'm a real culture. Objector, <laughs> you need someone to drag you along, kicking and screaming. The, I need the vulture to pick up the culture, uh, take it back to the nest, and put it in my mouth. Yeah, you're the type. You're the type of theatre goer who doesn't want to go. He's dragged along under duress, and, and then, then afterwards really goes, it. "Yeah, I quite like that. Yeah, I quite yeah. enjoy that." Yeah. Oh, do you want to go to another? Nah, not I'm really. the kind of guy who laughs at the funeral. You are. You don't believe? Can't understand what I mean. What I mean. You soon will. <laughs> yeah, there we go. Let's go over It's very hot in here. I'm very sweaty. You're starting to slow down. You're a bit I'm like a um, slow down, like a cold-blooded uh, lizard, mm. or a hot iPhone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll be back next week for more Luke and Pete Show. Fun. We will. Touch with the show. It's hello at lukeandpeteshow.com. We do love your stories. So do get them in. We can be found on Twitter at, at Luke and Pete Show. Yeah, and uh, you can be found, and I can be found in my house uh, in Soho. Not in this heat. Not in this heat. You no. know me be outside, else. mate. Be outside. Thanks very much for, get, uh, for getting in touch and for listening. And do leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your pods. We'll speak to you next week. Say, go- movie. Say goodbye, Peter. See you later, dickheads. And it's goodbye from me, The Luke. Who wants to buy a monkey? Save 
save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save 